Father, we thank you just for this opportunity to bless your name, your holy name. What a wonderful maker. What a wonderful savior. Father, as we continue in, in Psalm 103, that just declares the beauty and the power, the completeness of your fatherhood for us, your daughters, I pray that you would be pleased with the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts. That as we listen, as we respond, that we would bless your holy name with all that is within us. That as we're reminded to forget not all of your benefits, that we would praise you, that we would make you happy. Pray that you have burning coals touched my lips, that you would hide me in the cleft of the rock that is Jesus, your son, that I would decrease, that you might increase, that you would be blessed, that this time would make you happy. In Jesus' name and for his glory, amen. Well, this past February, for our February leader meeting, I challenged our Trinity Women's Ministry team to go out and find a Valentine's Day card for God, remembering that God is the lover of our souls. I thought it would be interesting to see what kind of card each woman would choose. And I have to tell you, it is pretty strange to thumb through Hallmark's idea of romantic love and choose something that is appropriate for God and something you know you're going to share with other people as well. So I'm not sure how happy the team was with the challenge at first, but as we came together that night and we shared our cards and the reasons we chose them, I think we were all deeply impacted. As each one read aloud her card, I think we were somewhat surprised at how they varied. Some chose cards that spoke of serious love, commitment. Others chose cards that spoke of supportive love and how God is always there for us. Some were sentimental, sappy, and a couple were even funny, which was kind of interesting. As each one read the card she chose for God, she reminded each of us again that the Lord is really our only true soulmate. He is the only one who can satisfy our hearts. That night, as the Valentine cards were read, I remember wondering what the Lord himself was experiencing as he listened to us. As he heard us read this group, this car, these cards we chose for him, I had hoped that between the 10 to 12 of us that he was blessed. And as we touched on the many aspects of his compassion and his love and his passionate love for us, I pray that, I pray then that we made him happy. And as I began to study Psalm 103 this week, I thought of another challenge. Psalm 103 commands us to bless the Lord. And so I found myself thinking about another hallmark idea. Send out an email to all of you and ask you to go out and find a Father's Day card and bring it to Bible study. Since Psalm 103 speaks of the fatherhood of God and his fatherly love for us. So I didn't do it, but think for a minute, what would you choose? If you were to go out today with looking at your life today and your walk with the Lord so far as your dad, as you sit here today and consider that he is your father, what kind of card would you choose for him today? Would it be serious? Would it be sentimental? Would it be funny? Would it change what you chose if you knew you were going to share it with others? <laughs> like our team coming together, wouldn't it be good to hear each other's cards right now? 
I imagine that we would hear many different aspects of God's fatherly love that we hadn't thought of. And I imagine that it would bless the Lord, that it would make him happy. John Piper says, to bless the Lord is to say good things about the Lord in a spirit of admiration, gratitude, and wonder. Don't you think it would take at least 200 cards to bless the Lord, to show our affection to the one who surrounds us with fatherly compassion? Don't you, don't you see, as I see, all our blind sides to the fatherly love of God and how much we need each other? Wouldn't it take 200 cards at least to even begin to praise him with all that is within us? John Piper says there is always a sense of shortfall between our spiritual perceptions of the greatness of God and our spiritual affection in worshiping God. Do you see that in your own life? The gap between who he really is and the worship we give him. There's a huge gap. We need help. And this is the beauty of Psalm 103. It's as if David is sending God a Father's Day card. But it is far beyond anything Hallmark. Because David has written it by the hand of the Holy Spirit, we know that Psalm 103, this Father's Day card, blesses the Lord. It makes God happy. And I think this is really huge for us today, thousands of years later. For only when we recognize and remember the great love of our Father, then and only then do we become the daughters we were always intended to be. See, God doesn't want us to bless him because he needs it. God doesn't need us to make him happy. We need it. Because he has for us a desire for us to live in the freedom of who it is, what it means to be his daughters. And when we bless him with all that is within us, we find ourselves becoming the daughters we're meant to be. So I want us to dive into Psalm 103 and see the great love of God as our Father. I want us to dive deeply, and my hope is, is that as we're doing this, that I'm not just sharing and you're listening, that we're participating, that together, as we dive further into Psalm 103, that we will bless him with what we're thinking, and feel free to respond. That would be great. You can just, in the middle of what I'm teaching, say, bless the Lord, all my soul. I'll take it. It'll be great. We'll be, we'll be very charismatic today. As we read David's Father's Day card, and this card begins at the beginning with remembering God's serious love, the seriousness of God's love that is way beyond Hallmark. Psalm 103, 1 through 3a. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity or sin. Bless the Lord. David tells himself to remember. David knows that forgetting has a deeper cause than absent-mindedness. Forgetfulness is part of our sin nature. Have you seen this? How easy it is to forget the good that God has done and to focus on the things that he's not doing that we'd like him to do. God commands us to remember because we naturally don't and we desperately need to. Deuteronomy 32, 18, just one of many, many scriptures throughout God's word that sa says, you are unmindful of the rock that bore you and you forgot the God who gave you birth. See, remember in scripture is not like our word remember. It's not like, oh gosh, I wish I could remember where I left my keys. That's not the kind of remember when you see remember in scripture. Remember means to have something be so central in your brain that your world revolves around it. So God is not saying, try not to forget me like you forgot your keys. He's saying, remember that I am central to everything in your life. See, again, our sin nature causes us to remember what we should forget and forget what we should remember. 
We can have a thousand positives in our life and one negative and it's undone. I'm gonna share a deep secret. Nobody hardly knows, nobody in this group knows. When I was a kid growing up, I did a lot of singing and a lot of solos. I know it's shocking. If you sit, sit next to me when I, you hear me sing, you would go, oh, that's really scary. And so I did a lot of, a lot of singing um, in school and plays and things. And I had people around me telling me, you know, keep singing, keep singing. That's great. That's great. Well, I'll never forget being about 14. I was at a friend's house. This one, one friend that loved to hear me sing. And she's like, just sing. Her boyfriend was there. He played the guitar. He played the guitar for me. I sang a song and he said, you're flat. I have never sung a solo since. Never, and I will not, because he probably is absolutely right, and my family was just lying to me. But the point is, the point is, no matter how many positives I had heard up till 14, one negative, and I never sang again on my own. Do you not see that in your own life? Lots of people can tell you that you're talented, and one person tells you you're talentless, and you do not, you're done. You lose courage, you lose confidence. Charles Spurgeon says it this way, and he's, you know, he's the prince of preachers 100 years ago, so bear with me in his, in his terminology. Memory is, a very is, a, is very treacherous about the best things. By a strange perversity engendered by the fall, it treasures up the refuse of the past and permits priceless treasures to lie neglected. It is tenacious of grievances and holds benefits all too loosely. Do you not see this in your life? You hang on to the one thing that person did against you and you forget every blessing they've ever done for you. We hang on to the negative. We have to fight our minds. Events, pictures, words we cannot get rid of that our life revolves around that are not healthy. Isn't that amazing that we do that and yet we forget what is good and how to surround our life around what is good and who God is. David's ability to bless God, to make God happy, begins with pleading his soul to remember, to realign his entire life around the God who is his rock, the one who bore him and who gave him birth. This is not going to be a Father's Day card. David is going to choose quickly. He's going to cause his soul to remember and remember well because David wants to bless the Lord with all that is within him, not in pieces. And by remembering, David then recognizes what we all have to recognize first if we're ever going to bless God. We don't deserve to be his daughters. I don't deserve to be your daughter. I am sinful. This word iniquity means I missed the mark morally. Now you may sit here and think, I'm not like wicked like the psalmist talks about. Have you missed the mark today? Have you, have you missed being perfect today? If you haven't, you are self-deceived. This word means faults. Do you, you all have faults? Can we all agree we have faults? It even means mischief. Mischief. Yikes. And yet God, if he is our father, removes not only the consequences of sin, death, but he actually picks up and moves sin itself. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. Sin is removed, but it's removed by love. Don't miss it. It's removed by love. God isn't removing your sin because he just has to. He wants to remove your sin because of love. And what a load to remove. Yet he removes it an immeasurable distance. This east is from the west is to say, hey, if I look to the east and then look to the west, no matter how far I keep going east, west just stays just as far. I can't catch up. 
It's an immeasurable distance. It's gone. Why? So that we might walk this earth in absolute freedom. We're never going to run into it. This is our God. He knows how much we suffer with sin, with guilt, with faults, with mischief. He knows the weight of it and how it destroys us. And so he wants to heave, hoe it. He wants to throw it so far that we can't see it. We can't check on it. We can't check its temperature. We can't go retrieve it. Do you do this? I do this. Oh, yeah, you've thrown it that far. Well, I think I'll go find it. Make sure it's gone or pick it back up again and nurse it a little bit. God throws it that far so we can't retrieve it. But don't miss it, this. It's based on love and mercy that he throws it. It's fatherly compassion. Yes, we can roam this earth in absolute freedom, never running into the sin. But we also are drawn close and tight by compassion. This word compassion is affection. He meets our rebellion with affection. Our Father is warm. He's emotional. He's tender. He's affectionate. Is this hard for you? This is really hard for me. I did not have this kind of an earthly father. In fact, I can remember the times that I would try to grab my dad's hand and he would drop it. Our God never drops your hand. In fact, he's grabbing for your hand as you are trying to run away from him. David's Father's Day card describes a father that is affectionate. And if we want to bless the Lord, if we want to make him happy, we need to remember, recognize he is affectionate. His love is based on perfect knowledge that we are dust and fragile. He's not affectionate just because we got it right today. He's not affectionate because we did good. He's affectionate knowing we're fragile, knowing we're dust, knowing we're messy. I remember as a kid, I, you know, he got disciplined a lot grounding, spankings, all of that. But the worst was when I got pulled into the den and told, we're very disappointed in you. Isn't that the worst? Although our sin grieves the Father, he's not disappointed. He gets it. He knows we're going to fail. He knows we're frail. He knows we're dust. He's never surprised. But what we must not miss is that this love is only for relational daughters. Those who stand in awe of him. We have a child that is adopted, our youngest, Emmeline. She has a bio father, a biological father who gave her life. But he has never fathered her. He has never been a father to her. Jeff has. My husband has been her father. He has fathered her. See, physiology is not enough. God did create us. He did set us into motion. He did pick up that dust and create the first man and the first woman. But we are not his daughters unless we're surrendering to his fatherhood. Relationship is crucial for benefits, just like Emmeline. The relationship she has with Jeff is what gives her the benefits of being his daughter. In the same way, God gives all people life but only those who let him father them, those who fear him, surrender to his fatherhood, do they receive the benefits. His promised compassion that he will never forget us. Isaiah 49, 15, can a, forget, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Though God does expect godliness from us, he never forgets we're frail. Even when we forget we're frail. 
Only those who fear him experience his fatherhood because only those who fear him live in the freedom of their sin being from the east to the west. Charles Spurgeon again, if sin be removed so far, then we may be sure that the scent, the trace, the very memory of it must be entirely gone. If this be the distance of its removal, there is no shade of fear of it ever being brought back again. Even Satan himself could not achieve such a task. That's how far our God has removed it. And he's removed it so we will live in fatherhood. We bless him when we live in the freedom and in the, and the reality that we are forgiven. Not when we check to see if it's gone. Not when we try to retrieve it. Not when we bring it back up again. See, a good earthly father suffers when his daughter suffers. A good earthly father will see his child suffer and want to take her place. Whatever it takes, he would want to relieve her suffering. Our heavenly father, so much greater than earthly fathers, sees our suffering of sin in this world and did trade places with us. Our father sent his son to live in this place, to live the life we could not live. No iniquity, Jesus, no iniquity in him. And yet he took our place of suffering. He died the death we deserve, a, a, a suffering that is beyond imagination. Our sin is only removed as far as the east is from the west because Jesus was removed from the Father as far as the east is from the west. We get to see the seriousness of the east from the west so much clearer than David because we have the cross. As one of our leaders reminded us, Jesus knows, Jesus alone knows how far the east is from the west. From that song from Casting Crowns, Jesus, you know just how far the east is from the west, from one scarred hand to the other. Jesus was removed from the Father's love as far as the east is from the west so that God could be our Father and bridge the gap. Amen? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul all that is within me. Oh, that we might bless God with praise that is beyond serious. It is all our sin. David blesses the Lord with a Father's Day card that speaks of his fatherly love that is beyond serious. But David has only gotten started. He makes God happy by remembering his father is also beyond supportive. Bless the Lord who heals all your diseases. David is remembering God heals what makes us weak, sick, and grieves us. Disease here has to do with sin because in the Old Testament, curses, disobedience, you were cursed with disease. So disease here means the effects of sin in our life. When we fear God, when we enter into a relationship with him as a daughter, God is ready to heal us from the effects of sin. How sin makes us sick. Now it is different than sin's punishment. Punishment is east is from the west. But sickness is sometimes a slower process. Sin's punishment is immediately removed. But sin's consequences are dealt with differently. Part of the healing process to be healed from sin's effects is consequences, isn't it? The consequences we experience from our sins, don't they help us not fall into them again? At least we hope. See, David knows this well. David sinned with Bathsheba, as you know. He committed adultery. And when he found out Bathsheba was pregnant, he murdered. He made sure that Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was murdered in, in war, put him in the front line. And then he tried to cover it up by marrying Bathsheba. When, God, when David confessed his sin to God, God removed the punishment immediately. But the baby she bore still died. 
Seven days, David fasted and prayed, believing God could heal the baby. But God said no. You need to experience consequences to heal you of sin's effects. If a relationship with our God is the priority, then it makes good sense that God removes sin's punishment immediately, but we experience consequences for our sin because sin destroys us while suffering deepens our faith in God. Doesn't it? As much as we kick and scream when we're disciplined by God, when we see the effects of that discipline, the change that it brings about in us, doesn't in the end deepen us. See, David is recognizing that our Father heals us the deepest of ways, and this often requires pain. Hebrews 12:11, for the moment of all for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. This whole Hebrews passage is about how fathers who, who really love their children discipline them, and if you don't experience the consequences of your sin, you need to be concerned that you're not a legitimate child. If he's letting you get away with stuff, then maybe you really aren't his because he chases those he loves. I remember sharing this with my son one day when he was experiencing consequences. And I said, buddy, that means God loves you. And it looks so different when you realize that when you get caught in your sin, it's evidence that God loves you. And he's chasing you. And, he's, and if you surrender to his fatherly discipline, there's going to be righteousness that will come out of it. Our Father meets our daily diseases of sin with his surgical knife. And again, Spurgeon, no disease of our soul baffles his skill. He's pretty creative, huh? At least in my life, he's been very creative in how he's disciplined me. He goes on healing all, and he will do so till the last trace of taint has gone from our nature. But when he t picks up that knife, ladies, he's compassionate, and he's not angry in the sense that earthly fathers are angry. He is slow to anger. He will only give us what we absolutely need to be trained in righteousness, and he only withholds from us what doesn't help us be trained in righteousness. Psalm 103, 8 through 10, the Lord is merciful and gracious. This is our daddy, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always child nor, chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Amen? Don't miss this, ladies. God does get angry. We like to paint this Father's Day card that just says he never gets mad, and he's just, oh, there's a happy day for all. It's always Disneyland with Daddy. No. God is angered by sin. He's holy. And his father heart hates sin because of what sin does to us and to the people around us when we sin. And God will inflict pain for our good. His anger is always for our good. It's never out of inconvenience or embarrassment, which we parent. I know I have been very guilty of this with four kids, parenting so many times out of my inconvenience, disciplining them because it just wasn't good for me to do what I, you know, it just felt better for me for my life, or parenting them out of embarrassment. They behave a certain way in front of you, and so I feel like I have to deal with them a certain way because I want to look good to you. God never does that. He never pa parents out of inconvenience. He never parents out of embarrassment. He never parents in unrighteous anger. Have you ever parented or seen someone parent in unrighteous anger? And for those of us who've been parented that way, we have a hard time believing this, and so we need to preach to our soul. 
Isaiah 54, 8, in overflowing anger for a moment, I hid my face from you, God says. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. God never parents us out of embarrassment or anger, unrighteous anger. And he also never keeps the argument going. Gosh, do we do this? I mean, I've had, I have two of my kids holding me accountable for one of my kids for just shutting up. You know, like, stop, Mom. I know I can keep chiding, keep the argument going, keep ranting, keep lecturing. And I know that about myself. And so I've had my two older ones say to, I've said, you have permission to interrupt me when you hear me going on too long and crossing that line. God never does that. He doesn't have to chide us. Why? Because it's from the east to the west. We, on the other hand, fill the east to the west with the people's sin, don't we? We don't throw it. It's filled up. We keep arguing arguments going. We keep wrongs done to us. We keep accounts. We keep it going on in our heart forever. God's compassion for his daughter swallows up his anger because his son bore the weight of it when he became diseased with our sin. Perfectly healthy, sinless Christ on the cross became diseased with our sin. And God hid his face, not for a moment, but for three long, dark hours. And during those hours, Jesus experienced the full effects of all sin of those who would trust in him. He experienced the grief, the weight. You know how guilty, the weight of guilt? Can you imagine the weight Jesus felt on the cross? The sins of all of those? And he would be so much more sensitive to guilt than us because he was perfect. Imagine the weight and on top of it, to have God turn his face, all for us, daughters who would trust in God, who would fear his name. On our worst days of suffering, whether they, whether they be sins effects or even other kinds of suffering, we have not been dealt with as we deserve. Jesus was repaid for our sins to heal us. He was wounded for our transgressions, Isaiah 53, 5. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, made us daughters. And with his stripes, we are healed. Can I have an amen? amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. May we bless our Father with words that recognize that he is way beyond supportive. David blesses the Lord with a Father's Day card that does recognize that God's love is beyond serious, it's beyond supportive, and lastly, God, David makes God happy by recognizing that his, fa um, his Father's love is beyond sentimental. It's beyond sappy. Bless the Lord who redeems your life from the pit and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Well, that's a lot more than sentiment, isn't it? David is remembering that we are not only not going down because of our sin, we're not going into the pit of destruction, we're not only being rescued from falling deeper and deeper into the yuck of sin, we're actually being pulled out and crowned. It's amazing. He lifts his daughters up so he can encircle them. That's what this crown means, to encircle them with kindness and beauty and love. Listen to Sp Charles Spurgeon one more time. The crown must be far more precious than if it were made of corruptible things such as silver and gold. It is studded with gems of grace, 
lined with the velvet of loving kindness. It is decked with the jewels of mercy, but made soft for the head to wear by a lining of tenderness. You could just, could just soak on that all afternoon. I mean, just do. I mean, that is just so powerful. Decked with the jewels of mercy, but made soft for the head to wear by a lining of tenderness. And how often do we just don't wear it? We won't pick it up. In this father-daughter relationship, we are being offered satisfaction, the only satisfaction there is on earth. Our hearts are restless until they find their home in him, Augustine said. And let me tell you, I have tried. You will not. Have you tried to find your satisfaction any, in any other kind of love? Rather than fall apart, which is natural to us women, we're renewed when we put that crown on, when we let him encircle us. Tim Keller in Prodigal God says, Faith in the gospel and this good news of God's love restructures our motivations, our self-understanding, our identity, and our view of the world. When we really live in the daughterhood of the Heavenly Father, we find we have new possibilities. It's as if we are teenagers again, and the world is out there, and there's so many possibilities. We're no longer stuck in that's, that's how it's always been or I just have to continue down this road of yuck. No, there are new possibilities because the spirit is being renewed day by day though the outer man may be decaying. The opportunities of life that are offered to the young are re-offered to us. Hope, promises. I love the one line in the remake of uh, Alice in Wonderland. She's remembering her, her earthly father and he was such a good loving father that gave her such courage and he would tell her, you can do 10 impossible things before breakfast. And so here she is having to do battle, and she's remembering 10 impossible things before breakfast. 10 impossible things before breakfast. This is what it means to be renewed by the Father's love. 10 impossible things before breakfast. Daughters who know they are loved. Studies tell us they're successful. Daughters who really know that they're loved move out into the world successfully. They move out in confidence. They are free. Study after study after study just shows the effects of an earthly father on a daughter. How much more so a heavenly father who find their satisfaction in the one whose throne is in heaven, who rules over all the world. She, when she lives in that daughterhood, can move out in courage. She can move out in freedom. She can move out in mercy. Freedom from the dependence on others, including earthly fathers, for affirmation, recognition, affection, for being significant to other men in her life, including her earthly dad. Some of us are so desperate, so desperately need to be freed of the effects of our earthly father. And God sees and he weeps over what you've experienced and he wants to set you free. Stop looking to your earthly father to do what he can't do. Let him go. Run to your heavenly father. Move into the world with courage, doing 10 impossible things before breakfast because your dad is beyond, beyond supportive. His spirit is there. Move in mercy, forgive, experience forgiveness, forgive others because your dad has secured your peace, your future. He is beyond sentimental. As for man, Psalm 103 reminds us, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But, talk about renewing, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. That's your daddy. 
recognize he has met our frailty with the greatness of fatherly love that never stops. It's ongoing. Our Father knows how easily we are no more. And knowing that, he chose to become like us. Jesus chose to set aside his heavenly crown to take on our form. He became like grass to show the full extent of the Father's love among us. This is beyond serious, that Jesus would set aside his heavenly crown, take on our form. He was beyond supportive when he walked this earth. He forgave sins. He healed diseases. He lifted the most unlikely out of pits. He did this to illustrate the Father's love. It's as if Jesus was our birthday card that evidences who God wants us to be, who he's created us to be. And rather than being blessed, Jesus was rejected and thrown into the pit of such depth and darkness. It is beyond sanity's grasp. If we could even get a glimpse into what Jesus experienced, the depth of that pit, we would go crazy because we would know it is our sin. On the cross, he was rejected by all. He was despised and rejected by men, Isaiah 53. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and from one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. On that cross, God's wrath, his breath, passed over Jesus, and it appeared he was no more. But three days later, he rose. And ladies, he rose, and then he ascended. Why? To empower us and to put us into and empower us into a relationship with God as our Father. When he rose, he told Mary Magdalene, go tell the brothers, I am going to my Father and your Father. He ascended to bring us into a relationship with our Father that is beyond sentimental. It's power. It intercedes. He's interceding at the right hand. He has sent his spirit to live within us. And the practical ways in which we live as his daughters, in courage, in peace, in freedom, we bless him. It's not our words. It's how we're going to live when we walk out of here that makes our daddy happy. Do we live like his love is beyond serious? Do we live like his love is beyond supportive, courageous? Do we live like his love is beyond sentimental? Meaning we can forgive, experience forgiveness, be courageous for the kingdom. God receives praise, blessings, cards, if you will, from all of creation. David reminds us at the very end. The angels, those who do his, do his word, his ministers, he says, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He ends with himself. See, our cards, lady, are part of God's massive collection. I have a mom-in-law. When she gets cards, she leaves them on the mantle for a long time. I, it's kind of sweet. She just wants to remember all those sweet. God, we are part of God's collection. We are part of the cards of all of creation. And his collection is not complete without yours. From us alone does God receive his favorite kind of cards. We alone send Father's Day cards. We alone. And he's more blessed by our cards because we choose. We have a sin nature that can choose not to. And so when we choose to live in the fatherhood of God, we bless his holy name. Psalm 103 asks us to remember this, to recognize this, to live in it.
as I think back to that night of our team and reading our Valentine's, Valentine cards we chose for God, I believe that what made God happy that night was not what we read, not what we wanted to be true, but how we lived when we walked out of that meeting. And in the same way, reading, studying, reciting, singing Psalm 103 is not a formula to make God happy. It's when we choose to let God father us that he is blessed. And when we let him father us, we are blessed. We become the daughters we were meant to be. We are able to move out into his love that is beyond serious. We're able to move out into his love that is beyond supportive. And we're able to move out into his love that is beyond sentimental. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. O oh Lord, may these be more than words by the power of your spirit. May we not only sing your praises right now, but may they empower us to live in the daughterhood. Help us remember, recognize, and live in it that we might make you happy, Daddy. In Jesus' name.